Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 25, your weekly podcast covering everything Magic the Gathering related. Your host, as always, Chaz, joined by Richard, the owner of MTG Goldfish. What's up, Richard? Hey, guys. What's up? I'm terribly sick this week, so I may <laughs> sound funny, but, but I'm here to talk about all the big news. Yep. We have a lot to talk about, so uh, we'll get to the docking in a second. Uh, Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, our resident jank brewer and all-around content creator for Magic the Gathering. What is up, Seth? Uh, what's going on, guys? Super excited. Big week this week. Yeah, big week. Uh, a, lot, a lot already to talk about. Uh, Chaz, as always, uh, all-around content creator focusing on the financial aspect. You can find us on Google Play, iTunes, mtggoldfish.com. And on YouTube, I'm just going to dive right in. The docket for this week, we have the start of announcement week. So every day we're going to get something new. Uh, Today, uh, before the cast, it was released uh, Metamorphosis 2.0. And we're going to go through that, you know, to some detail. And we'll just kind of go point by point. We'll move into the announcement of an MTG MMORPG. And then we'll wrap things up uh, with some fish mail. So... Yeah, uh, so the first big point on uh, Metamorphosis 2.0, you can find it on the Mothership site if you didn't get a chance to read it. All big sets will be drafted on their own, uh, so there's not going to be multi-set draft formats. Also, all sets are big sets, so every, yeah, all, no all small sets, sets are big sets, and so they're all drafted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So, thoughts on this. Uh, we'll start with re- you, Richard. I know you're not feeling well, so <laughs> we'll try to <laughs> keep it to a minimum. I like the changes. I like the changes. So, the gist of it is currently we're on two-block rotation, so or two-block sets. So, you basically have a large set like Kaladesh, followed by a small set like Aether Revolt. And when it comes time to draft Aether Revolt, you actually draft it together with Kaladesh. So, that's big-small. Uh, they're, they're doing away with that altogether. Uh, every set now will be a large set, and you will draft it by itself. So it'll be three sets a year. The fourth set for the year will be a core set, where half of the cards will be reprints, half of them will be new cards, and they're bringing back the core set. They said it's not going to be exactly like the old core sets, like M15, M14, but you know some revamped version. I like the changes because I, I never liked going to a pre-release and getting kind of the quote-unquote old set. I like playing with all new cards. So I think in terms of hype and how fun it is, I like the big set. I also like how they're not tying the plane to the set release. So now when you visit a world, it can be anywhere from one to three sets long. So if the story is short, they can just pop on Mirrodin or something and then leave. Or they can stay for like you know, three blocks on Ravnica if they felt like it. So this lets them kind of flex their creative muscles and doesn't restrict them artificially. Core sets, eh, you know, we all we all pine for generic answers, but remember when core sets were around? No one wanted to play them. You know, when, when there was the core set pre-release or whatever, like, no one cared. So there was downside to that. Uh, the upside is we do get the ability to print generic cards. You know, you can get dual lands that are not on flavor you can get removal that's not on flavor you can throw in pithing needle if you feel like it so in terms of gameplay i think the standard environment will be much better because of the core set but i think there will be that summer lull where no one really cares like you know who cares this core sets for new players i don't want to play it the draft environment is too weak I think some of those downsides will come back as well. So I think that will be a bit of a mixed bag. Well said. Uh, Seth, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, to me, it sounds like good news pretty much all around. I know for me, I always found myself unintentionally a little bit less hyped for a small set compared to a big set. Just like when I knew as I was coming up, and maybe it's because it's the first set of the block and the second one, you already kind of know what to expect. But this change kind of gets rid of all of that because each set is going to be essentially a standalone block. We're not going to have a block structure like we did before, although we may stay on the same plane. And having new sets that are really new sets and not just like a little bit of an addition to an old set is really exciting, I think, and is going to have that fall set hype, the big fall set on a, a new block starting multiple times a year, which is awesome. As far as the core set, I think I'm a little bit more excited than Richard because I felt like they figured it out with Magic Origins. Like, Magic Origins was actually a really good set. It had stuff that experienced players also like, not because the cards were complicated, but with the callbacks to some of the older cards. And I feel like 
Magic Origins gives me hope that this new revamp core set isn't just going to be a boring, like, horrible set that no one cares about, but is a necessary evil to make uh, standard function. Yeah, I-, I like the changes. I mean, as an as an longtime player, I think they kind of realized that they went from first they went from three sets to two sets, and then they kind of just figured, you know what? Just one set gives us the flexibility, like Richard uh, mentioned, to kind of do a lot more with the storyline, the storytelling, the flexibility of not having uh, these little sets be kind of a throwaway after these lo- these larger sets. I mean, you get all this hype, and then you get this smaller set that just not many people really liked. And this harkened back to the three-set blocks. And when you really think about it, and you think back to a lot of blocks over the course of Magic's history, like not many of them were successful all throughout the block. You know, you'd get that first set, everybody loved it, and then it would just drastically drastically kind of just fall off from there. So I think just one set, you know, you just throw all your eggs in one basket, and I think that's more successful than just trying to drag out a storyline that people don't like, and you have these small sets that just aren't successful. So like that change. Um, as, as far as the core set, I mean, I just I think we've talked about this for, before, and I, I kind of felt like we all landed on the fact that core sets couldn't really ever go away forever, and we might you know come back and, and see core sets come back. And to me, it's just really a necessary evil. Um, I know they're kind of gearing it towards new players. Uh, there's going to have some new cards in there for, for kind of everybody, but I like that. You, you have the, the, the answers that we desperately need, like you said, Seth, uh, many times. And you're not taking up new cards and new sets uh, for a reprint that can just be put in a core set. So I kind of like that they kind of need to be there to kind of police and have all these answers for all these blocks or a cluster of blocks. Or sorry, not blocks, sets now. <laughs> sets, we're getting, we got away from blocks. I, I think the other thing I'm really excited about is having new draft formats every time I think will keep limited much fresher. I know sometimes yes. when you just add a small set, you get a you still have like the Kaladash packs. Richard mentioned it with pre-releases, but limited's like that in general. So I'm excited to have a brand new limited format to explore four times a year, counting the core set. The thing I want to ask you about the core set, though, both of you, they said it's going to be different, but the way they described it, half reprints, half new cards, geared towards new players, sounds a lot like M15, M14. Like, that's basically the formula for those core sets. So what do you make of that? How do you expect this, these new updated core sets to be different than what we saw before with the M-series core sets? I have nothing for you. <laughs> Basically, they said yeah. they were going to tailor it for experienced players, and then they said they were going to, it's, you know, kind of the entry point for new players. So what does that mean? Does that mean all of your creatures are grizzly bears? Or does that mean all of your creatures are Jace Vin's prodigy? And I think the, the answer is really there's going to be both. You're going to have kind of like, uh, what was the card we talked about last week? The generic green dude that's like in every single <laughs> new, new player product. <laughs> you're you're going to have... Uh, those type of cards, you know, your Sarah Angels, your Singer Vampires, but hopefully you'll they'll have like a Planeswalker or two, or you know maybe a Lightning Bolt or something, right? Like something that's simple but experienced players will appreciate, and you know new players can still understand. And you know you're not gonna have like Semblet or something, you know, like 800 keywords and you know to confuse the new players. So I think it's it's gonna be a new player product. I think you're gonna see a higher percentage of. Sarah Angels and whatnots, but I think they'll throw in a couple, a couple cards, and if not, just like spiky cards, and you know, standard players will just appreciate that they're fixing standard, and that yeah. this is a necessary evil. So I think that's how they're gonna appeal to new player, uh, new players and old players at the same time. Yeah, I don't think they'll be devoid of powerful cards, but I am kind of leaning towards what Richard said. I mean, they're not gonna be drastically different than what we've seen in previous core sets, but I do think they will dial down. I mean, this is just my, <laughs> my estimation. I don't know if they're actually going to do this. But dial down on some of the, you know, the Bane Slayer Angels and the Jace Rinse Prodigies that we've seen in the past. Um, not to say there's not going to be you know, a couple powerful cards in the new cards, but I think really the thing to be hyped about as you know, a longtime player and a player that you know, plays standard um, a lot, that the reprints is really where you get excited because – Again, they we just didn't have them, and now you have a place where you're getting a lot of them. So we're going from nothing to a lot uh, very quickly, and we needed it. And and there's a lot of reprints that are 
great yeah. and really awesome for standard that aren't really complicated. They don't have to be right. like confusing. Like Grim Flayer or not Grim Flayer, Grim Lava Mancer isn't an overly complicated card or like Ranger of Eos or uh, some of those cards, Sarah Ascendant, some of those cards that we've seen come from core sets are really powerful and good reprints, but not necessarily confusing for new players. So I'm super excited for that aspect and think standard will greatly benefit from it. Yeah. I mean, even simply like duress or pithy needle where, you know, for whatever reason they didn't fit the flavor or this, you know, the, these new sets that are coming out, these one of sets, those are the types of cards that can definitely thrive in a core set and are desperately needed in a core set. Yeah, cards like Wasteland, Rashad and Fort. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we're not, we're not getting... <laughs> but remember, there are a lot of powerful cards, like yes. the Titans were reprinted several times in the core sets. Uh, the Buddy Lands, you know, th- there are a lot of cards that were kind of the crux of Standard's past that were from the core set, so, uh, you know... Some of the cards will be watered down, but some of the cards will be very powerful. So I, I, I expect they'll do even better this time, given that, you know, they had the experimentation with Magic Origins and then kind of the no core set era. So I, I think they'll learn and I think uh, M18 it is will be pretty good. So moving on, uh, the next kind of bullet point here that we wanted to talk about, they're pulling back on the Gatewatch and also the Masterpiece series, uh, kind of both at the same time here. Uh, the Gatewatch, uh, starting as early as, you know, Hour of Devastation, the next set that's coming up. And Ixalan, there will not be a Masterpiece series, and they said that they will not be doing this every single set, uh, that there will be breaks in between. We made the Gameland <laughs> Masterpiece joke from the very beginning. Yeah. I don't know why it w- took Wizards, like, a couple of years to realize that there's just, like... You can't print 50 masterpieces a block and not run out of exciting masterpieces. They're just like, so I think that they tried with Amonkhet to be like, all right, we don't have, we know we don't have enough exciting cards. So what if we make a really unique, exciting border? Like, can this, can this sell masterpieces if we don't have great cards, but we do this really unique border thing? And the feedback was, I think it was mixed, but I think it was more negative than positive, and I think that led to Wizards just being like, all right, like, we'll we'll pull back on this, we'll still do them sometime. I think they cited the Expeditions in Battle for Zendikar as being a good example of how exciting they could be, and I think that's true, but, so I think it's a good change, and we've talked about the Gatewatch thing, too, I'm also very excited for that, just, like, having four Nisses or whatever in Standard is just too much, and they're still going to be a major part of the story, but we're not going to have to have those cards in every single set ad nauseum, which is, I think, a good thing. The most exciting part was the example he threw out where we might have a block with zero Gatewatch members. So that was very exciting, because I thought when they said they're pulling back, you know, you'll still have, like, five people, but they might not have, you know, Gideon every single card. You're not going to have five Gideons and Nissas and Standard, but they're willing to go to a place where you have zero Gatewatch members. Right, maybe you you suddenly go visit what Garrick is doing for a block, or you know you go check out what uh, I can't even think of what like I don't know Vraska's doing. Is she dead? I have no idea <laughs> what Vraska's doing. Cough. Right, basically yeah. all these planeswalkers that we haven't heard about because of the Gatewatch. Right, they've kind of been pushed out of the limelight, and now there's the opportunity to actually visit them for just a you know a set or two or something, and then go back to our main storyline. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I'm very excited about what they're doing with the Gatewatch too. It, it exactly like you said, Richard. It gives more characters. You know, we get to look through the window on more characters. We get to see what other characters have been up to, or even new characters. Um, in terms of masterpieces, I think it's overall. I think it was getting to a point where it was super saturated. At the same time. I'm kind of hesitant to think that they're going to pull back so much that we're really going to start missing uh, masterpieces in terms of what it did, what these this series did for the overall price of standard. So I just don't think pulling back so much is going to be helpful when you're changing all the block structure or, you know, you're removing the block structure rather you're changing it to this one set, um, one set structure and a corset. And we've all know we've all seen what corsets can do to the price of standard. And I, I just think, you know, not having that buffer of masterpieces, uh, we might really start missing them very soon. Uh, even if they were not as, I guess, 
high end as we have have seen them be. Um, at this point, I would have loved to see like the dazes and the the kind of not so higher end masterpieces still exist just because they kind of lowered the barrier of standard. But isn't that going to run out though? Like the reason they lower the barrier to standard is because they're worth money. So they eat up part of the value of the set and of a box. But if you're printing, I don't know, all worthless, all diverse, if you get to the point, which we would, where you're just like, everything's a divert level masterpiece, I don't even know if it really would decrease the price that much because those cards just wouldn't be that valuable. So I, I think one thing I would like to see Wizards explore with masterpieces is possibly still do them often, but cut down on the total number yes. per set. I don't think you got to have, what do we have in Amic at 35, 30? Yeah, There's like a massive number. If they did 10 per set every set or twice a year, like two sets a year, something like that, I think that would, you'd be able to keep the good ones and like make your reprint, reprint equity in your masterpieces last a lot longer and they'd be a lot more exciting because you're not going to be opening divert in your cards that just like aren't that great to open so I think everyone would be happier if you took the 10 best masterpieces from the invocations and those were all the ones that you printed for Amicad or whatever yeah because the big thing I see happening here is and, and you kind of alluded to this earlier this morning Seth is that you're going to go from a set like Eldritch Moon, where you have $40 Mythics to a set like, you know, Kaladesh, where you have sub $10 Mythic, like a like Marvel, or even a $20 Mythic, you know, and that's kind of the peak. So I just, I, again, I just think you're right. I didn't like that they were going to pull this completely back. I think if they change the structure to there's just going to be less of them so they can focus on having them be all really good, but just not so many of them that they get diluted so fast. Yeah, I like I like your idea, but I like Wizards' idea better. I, I just don't like Masterpieces. I, I haven't liked them from the start. They make cracking packs feel really, really bad. And I think cracking packs is like half of the joy of magic, right? You're, you're always told not to crack packs, right? But sometimes you need to crack packs. You, you know, you're playing sealed, you're playing draft, uh, or you just... You know, you don't want to bother with, you know, listing your, uh, you don't you don't want to get, like, store credit because you don't want to just buy stuff. You just want to, like, crack packs, have that rush of adrenaline and go. And Masterpieces killed that for me. Like, really knowing that, you know, you need to open, like, a case or something before you actually kind of, like, remove variants was a pretty bad feeling. And I stopped cracking packs with a no Masterpiece set. And you can now crack a pack and actually pick up, like, a $5 rare or a $10 Mythic or something, right? And, of course, the downside is single prices will be more expensive. So there's always that that pressure of constructed players want cheap singles versus limited players want high EV packs. And I guess this flip-flops between the two when you have a Masterpiece set. Uh, you know, constructed players will be happy. When you have a non-Masterpiece set, limited players will be happy. So I, I kind of like that. Uh, Seth's suggestion of having five ten masterpieces is the compromise between those two, which I think could also work. But I'm excited to go back to the non masterpiece era. I've opened one masterpiece you know, <laughs> in all of the sets, and it just feels bad opening a pack and your most expensive card is like ten cents, and you're like, what is this, right? And you open like ten of those packs, and if you don't ever open that masterpiece, you never, you never quote unquote break even, right? So, so I'm happy for the non masterpiece era coming back. I think before we move on to other stuff, one of the things I'm most excited about over the whole announcement is the potential with this new, more flexible block structure where each set is its own thing to just pop into a world for one yes. set. Like, I would love to see what's happening on Mirrodin. Go back to New Phyrexia, see oh, what's no. going on with that story. <laughs> but I don't think we want two sets of that or three sets of that. But to pop in there for one set and see what's happening or another example would be like Kamigawa. It's very controversial. Some people love it. Some people Yes. hate it but you could pop in for one set and not dedicate like half of a magic year to something that a lot of players might not appreciate so i think that that flexibility could lead to some really cool things that just wouldn't have been definitely weren't possible under three set block structures and probably weren't even possible under two set block structures yeah absolutely it, it really just gives them the flexibility and opens up their storytelling and 
you know, you're going, you're exactly right. You're going to open up storylines that you just weren't able to do. Definitely not in a three set block. Uh, but you know, you can kind of hop in and, and, and this, this is actually an even better way to tell a story and to add new characters to the story. I mean, you know, you're giving them more of a space and more of a chance to meet these characters and see what these characters are about when you're not just focusing on this main storyline and they you know, you're, you're focused on the gate watch. And then these, these characters were just basically throwaways at the same, you know, they got their planeswalker card and that's cool, but largely they were throwaway characters. And when you have a set that you can just get away from that a little bit and focus on it more, they start to become characters that people can, you know, see and get a better sense of a background. And they're not just throwaways anymore. Kind of think of it as like Marvel and you're giving each of these characters their own movie. I think that's a good parallel. Like we just saw Black Panther. So, you know, that's like a real world example, I think. Yeah. Yeah. See, always trying to keep it, you know. All right. (laughs) Um, We talked about this. Uh, I think, you know, you've written an article about this set. So we've talked about this a lot. Um, They're changing their their point on the article was they're changing things behind the scenes. Basically they're restructuring and, you know, building up their R and D and their, um, they call it the play design, uh, which was their like kind of future, future league, but they're really populating it. Uh, they said they hired an, a, a man named Dan Burdick. Uh, they, you know, gave full-time contracts, full-time employees out of contractors like Melissa del Toro and Andrew Brown. Uh, so they're really kind of populating this future future league, or as they call it now, play design. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good thing. One of the yeah, things that stuck out to me in that part of the announcement is we got confirmation of something that I had actually written articles about, and I don't know if it was really confirmed, but the kind of the face card thing, the pushing of these story cards for constructed, and Meryl pretty much just directly said that, like, yeah, we. We were under this thinking that we should push Emrakul in story cards to make sure they show up in Constructed. We probably didn't test them as well as we should. We still want some of these cards to show up in Constructed, but only if they're going to actually be balanced and healthy, and hopefully this new testing team will make sure that that happens. So I think... Overall, I think we're moving on to the general part of the discussion. I want your guys' thoughts on this. So... Basically, a lot of these changes undid the original metamorphosis to some extent. Like, it's a lot of the things that we added there have now been walked back. Do you think the last year of really rough times in Standard, was it worth it? Were those growing pains and they're worth it to get to this better place? Or was the original metamorphosis and changes, were those just a mistake? hindsight you can say they're a mistake but they led to you know more positive changes so it's only really a mistake if you don't learn anything from it so if they're you know trying to do this to make positive changes from that then i think we're on a better foot you know better firstly a better understanding and this is coming from a player that's played a long time and we would have never gotten something like this even like five years ago you know talk about 10 years ago that we would have never gotten an article like this. So if they're legitimately walking this back and learning from their, you know, learning from these kind of changes, then I think we're trending in the right direction. But I mean, was it a mistake to try something new? I'm always in the camp that you should try something new, even if it's, you know, doesn't always work out because you need to evolve or the game's just going to get stagnant. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a mistake. Like they still took away a lot of new things like the, Kind of the increased deployment of worlds, this, the tie, you know, the story cards, the Planeswalker deck. So, you know, the first half of Morrow's article was all the stuff that went well due to, the la- due to the last year. And even though we had some bad standards this past year, I, I don't think it was a overall bad year for Magic. I think Magic was still very enjoyable. I think the game is still growing. And, you know, we just know Emrakul is too good. Right. But, you know, aside from that, I I don't think it was actually terrible. I don't think it was, you know, the panic year, you know, uh, undo the reserve list, sell your inventory, like nothing like that happened. Right. It's like, yeah, we had a standard where the power level was off, maybe not as much diversity as we wanted, but it was fine. 
right? We we got Kaladesh, we got Eldritch Moon, we got Shadows. You know, we had a bunch of cool sets and stuff. So overall, I think it was good, and I think it's it's good that they continue to iterate and learn on what they're doing. You know, it would be bad if they were just uh, you know sticking with what they they did. They need to evolve. You know, kind of just to. Just to beat a dead horse, it, it'd be it's like Moto. Moto kind of sticks with what it knows. Moto doesn't really experiment and evolve, whereas the paper side, kind of the world building and the design, seems a lot more fluid. They keep trying things, they they take their feedback, and they keep going forward. And I think overall, that's just better for the game. Yeah, I think for me, um, I'm glad they tried new things, and I think it was Sam Stoddard who mentioned his article, one of their big risks when these problems arise is that it makes them scared to innovate and try new things, so I'm very glad that they did try new things. I'm also glad that maybe the harder part was being willing to walk back those things when some of them didn't work, so I'm also very glad they were able to do that, and I would say for me personally, my confidence level in standard moving forward jumped up quite a bit today. Like, I have been kind of lukewarm on standard. We obviously, we've had multiple bannings in the format, which is a clear sign that things aren't going the way Wizards wants, because they don't want bannings in standard. That is something extremely painful for them. So, I think that these changes make me feel much more comfortable with standard going forward, and much more hopeful that we're going to get past all these bannings and some of the rockiness and that standard will maybe even be better for going through this really from my perspective a really painful and not great period of like six months to a year with all the bannings and stuff so i think in the long run it is going to be worth it to stick it out through some trying times uh, before we move on, I wanted to ask you, what about the BNR announcement? That's Wednesday. If there's anything that maybe we should expect big changes, that might be the announcement to watch. Are you guys expecting, uh, I know standard, Marvel is the big topic. I think that something to do with Marvel is the only thing that's really on the board. In modern, it's basically Death Shadow is what the conversation is somewhat about, or the typical fast mana that people talk about every time, like Simeon Spirit Guide or Mox Opal. So any changes? No changes. I'm going to have to go with Richard here. Now, for standard and modern, I, I would be very disappointed if we didn't see like more bannings for uh, the one-versus-one commander stuff. And I think that was a fish mail, but for standard so, and modern, I can't see one them One-versus-one commander's on a separate timeline. They just <laughs> randomly oh, right. do it with I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going with Richard here. I don't think they're going to change anything. I uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you. I'm really torn on standard. That's a big one, but I think I think that there's gonna be a banning targeted at Marvel. I think that's the end result. But I yeah. think it'll be the next announcement before Hour of Devastation and the Pro Tour. Yeah. So what do you think of Death Shadow? Like, does it need to be? I don't understand why it needs to be banned. Uh, if your best deck is a mid range deck, like, eh, right? There's always gonna be a quote unquote best creature. So if you ban Death Shadow, like are you gonna ban Tarmogoyf as well? Like there's there's always gonna be some creature that everyone tries to fit in their deck that you know does the job of actually killing the other person. And we just got Fatal Push. If, if there was no Fatal Push in the format, it might be more compelling. But you have Fatal Push to deal with Death Shadow. So what do you guys think? Does it need to go? It's it's in like literally every deck. So is Tarmogoyf's. So is Snapcaster. So like I I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I don't. It's certainly a strong card, uh, but I, I, I think even like Willie Edel sent out a tweet and he was documenting some responses from the recent top eight from competitors that weren't playing Death Shadow and they didn't think it needed to be banned either. And uh, is it just part of, are we kind of just prisoner, prisoners of the moment? Because every time it kind of feels like Death Shadow does well, it's a, we say ban Death Shadow, but then a week you know, we'll have a, a large GP weekend and we have all these different flavors of decks and Death Shadow, you know, still does pretty well, but not nearly as well as, let's say, this past weekend or, you know, whichever weekend that does well. And we're like, oh, look at Modern's fine. Modern's like, look at all these decks and blah, blah, blah. And no one's even talking about banning. So maybe it's just a little bit of like being prisoner of the moment here, but I don't I, know. 
I think it's silly to even talk about Death Shadow being banned. I, I think it's just ridiculous. There's nothing in the yeah. numbers that makes me think, oh my god, this is overpowered. It's like 9% of the meta, I think, at the tournaments yesterday, ended up being 5 of the top 32 decks, which is like 15% or something, which... It, I mean, I guess it's slightly high for modern, but it's not absurd. And no. But is this not the Splinter Twin argument? Yeah, you can beat it, but it quote-unquote invalidates other cards, which any tier one deck would, right? But basically, you know, your Tarmogoyf kind of sucks compared to Death Shadow, your Grim Player. You know, is your creature a one-mana 8-8? No, then it kind of sucks. So it has kind of the same arguments as Splinter Twin, right? And they've banned uh, I... Splinter Twin, so I... I, I, I don't I see agree where with that, that either, though. Those, that <laughs> camp comes from. But I would just say unban Splinter Twin while you're at it. But Yeah, but I, I don't agree know. with the twin banning either, so I don't know. I don't expect changes. I think overall Modern looks pretty diverse, and it doesn't seem way out of whack. Do, maybe we get there eventually where they ban it, but I would be surprised if they actually ban Death Shadow this being our announcement. Alright, so get those street rates ready. <laughs> They're going to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> what if they just ban right. Street Wraith? <laughs> they could yeah, do that. I mean, I mean, I yeah. It's it's like a taxing probe. Might as well. Yeah, I can yeah. see that before Death Shadow. Yeah, I don't think they'll um, do anything. No, I don't think so. And it's it's not even that miserable to play against. I guess that's my other argument. Like whenever I play Death Shadow, I don't feel like oh my god. Like when I play against Infact or Tron or something, I don't get that same feeling. I'm like, oh, this is actually going to be like a a game of magic, and we're going to cast our stuff and make decisions, so I think I feel differently you don't play mid-range because of deck, how Seth. the deck plays. <laughs> you can't play a non-Death Shadow mid-range deck anymore because you're like, well, your one mana 8-8 eight eight is just vastly superior to anything I play unless I play my own Death Shadow. But I think that's the beauty of it, though, right? If you're scared of Death Shadow, just go play a combo deck. Play a combo okay. deck and hope you don't get thought seized, right? Or... <laughs> You know, you can play you can play a control deck if you want and get rid of that. So the, the diversity of the meta game allows you to dodge Death Shadow if you really wanted to. Yep. Real quick, uh, before we move on to fish mail. So I guess our generic or our overall thoughts is no changes. Uh but so what do you think and I don't know, you kinda mentioned before we started recording, Seth, you might not have as much input, but uh, what do you both think of them announcing this Magic the Gathering IP? You know, they're using the Magic the Gathering IP for an MMORPG. It was announced, uh, I believe, late last week? Yeah, it's from Perfect World. Yes. And Cryptic, I think? Yeah, they did the Neverwinter. Mm, they they worked with Wizards before, and they did the Neverwinter right. MMO. And oh, I'm so disappointed. So I, I'd like... I like the fact that they're making a new game based on the yes. Magic IP. But when I heard MMO, I just wanted to flip a table. Like, are we <laughs> literally Hearthstone? They're like, hey, Hearthstone is successful. They're backed by World of Warcraft. You know, maybe we should make an MMO too. Right? The, the only explanation I have from this, which I, I read in a Reddit thread, is Wizards operates 10 years in the past on their digital platforms. So in 2007, <laughs> MMOs were the rage. <laughs> So now it's time for our MMO. Like, uh, MMOs aren't relevant anymore. Why are we making one? And why does it have to be so a not inclusive game? You know, of things that are too hardcore for the normal person. Like Magic the Gathering is pretty up there. And MMOs are there too. I don't have enough time to play both of these things. Uh, so I just, I don't like MMOs and... I think the time has passed, and I don't know why we're making an MMO in 2017. Yeah, that's kind of where I went to. Um, Ten years too late. I do think it can be, like, successful. Like, the Magic IP can be successful in the genre. But I just... I, I can't see this being a game uh, many folks are going to be playing uh, these days. Now, if you meant... Like, if they announced it was going to be a MOBA or something like that, Obviously, you have steep competition, but I could see that working a little bit better these days. But an MMO, I just, there's just not a lot of time people are going to invest in this, these types this of games needed to anymore. This needs to be Lego Magic the Gathering. Right? Yeah, something <laughs> like, like that. Yeah. You don't need to convince the people that already play Magic to play your game. 
you really need to convince yeah. kind of the new generation. You want the young kids and stuff. And so, so I think Lego Magic the Gathering would have hit it right on the spot. You would, it's casual enough. You would hit the younger audience. Uh, you would branch off an entire new thing. You can now have Lego Magic the Gathering toys, right? So kind of, kind of that thing, or just the classic RPG. I think would have done really well. Kind of like the D and D based RPGs, uh, old school like Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter Nights, or even something like Skyrim. Just a, a one-off title that's really good that people can play and get into the universe so that when they finish their game, they say, oh, I want more magic. Where do I get it? They go to the card game. With the MMO, if it's anyone, you know, if it's good, they'll just keep playing the MMO. They're not going to play magic. They don't have time for this. <laughs> like, what are you doing on yeah. Friday night? I'm raiding, right? Like, I'm not going to F&M. So, like, I don't know, right? Like, it's just weird. It, it seems so hardcore for me. And I, I don't know. I'm so, just too old. I think that's the problem. I don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm i not super familiar with games in the genre. So I wanted to ask you guys. You seem to know Neverwinter. You seem to know the studio slightly. Discounting the fact that, yes, we should have done this 10 years ago if we're going to do it. Like, will it be good? Like, maybe it's not timely, but do you have confidence that this company making this game is going to end up with a good uh, product, or is it just going to be a joke? I don't think it's going to be a joke. I think it can be, like, I think it can be made successfully by this, you know, studio. But again, the problem is, is it won't really matter because... I just don't think there's a large, there's just really not a large audience that you're going to be drawing from. And, you know, when World of Warcraft is suffering as much as it is these days with like record low numbers, I just don't know if, even if it's made like the best it could ever possibly be, if it's even going to matter. Yeah, I never That's even the heard of the Neverwinter MMO. I mean, I've heard of the Neverwinter uh, franchise, but I haven't yeah. heard of any MMO that hasn't been wow you know, for quite a while. The only MMOs that ever kind of make the, the light of day in terms of news are like Star Wars, you know. No. Uh, Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy and mm-hmm. World of Warcraft, which are based basically on kind of their wonder years and big IP of, of the past. So I don't know. I just don't think MMOs are something you play anymore. So that's why it's a weird <laughs> choice. It's, you know, like... Yeah. I'd rather see a Magic the Gathering shooter, man. I'd rather see Overwatch Magic the Gathering, right? Like, these are the types of games that are in vogue right now. And I, it's just 10 years too late. Like, why are we making yep. an MMO? This, you know, we there's no novelty to it anymore. The novelty Even back like a, then was playing with, like, 50 of your friends, right? Now it's, it's like, you can do that in any game. Like, who cares, right? Like, yeah. Ah. What you really needed, I guess, to sum this up was something that players can... It's either something like Richard said, where you have like a Mass Effect type of thing, where you have like a story, you you interact, you have an RPG, you interact with characters, or these type of games where you can get on, play a game, and get off. Like that is where gaming, pretty much the successful gaming, really is. You get on, you play a game of League of Legends, you can get off. You get on, you do a couple riffs in Diablo three, you can get off. Like. Sitting there for like three hours and raiding, I don't, I don't think is like where people want to be right now. Yeah. So here's some good sides, though. Uh, unlimited content. Every time it's a set release, yep. it's a new zone. It's like, welcome to Amoncat Plain, right? You can go raid against Nicol Bolas or whatever if you felt like it. So they have... I can see the appeal of it, right? Every time there is a new set in Magic the Gathering, the paper game, they can make a new zone in this game. Uh, you can add new new bosses or whatever every time there's a new spell in magic the gathering there's a new spell in the mmo so i can see the appeal of it but i don't i don't know like everyone's gonna be a planeswalker walking around like it's not special anymore it's it's a little weird so so i don't know i just i just wish they did something better with this kind of first (laughs) big expenditure in magic digital next like it's it's gonna be an expensive game it's gonna be fairly decent high budget it's not like some low budget thing they're sweeping under the rugs it's gonna be a big game and I don't know who it's going to attract. Maybe there's like a lot of MMO players and I'm just not aware of them because they're hiding in their basements playing MMOs, right? Like maybe they're not vocal. Maybe there's a lot of them, but I don't know. One more question from someone who knows nothing about this. So are you at all concerned that they make this game 10 years too late, they spend a bunch of money on it, it's a huge flop, and it hurts magic 
the actual card game, like the foundation of their business? Is this something, if it goes wrong, could have a a negative impact on what we do every week and every day? I don't think so. They, that was certainly a possibility going into this. <laughs> so I think they, I think they dif- fully discussed that through. The, so the I downside, think I think, is not affecting the paper game, but affecting their expenditures into digital. Right, so yeah, this could mean that there's never ever a another Magic IP game. This could mean less investment in Magic Online. You know, they're like, "Wow, you guys know nothing about digital. Let's let's kind of rein back the budget here." So I think it it could affect that stuff, but I don't think yeah the game. I would be very sad if <laughs> the game had to change to support mechanics from the MMO <laughs> or something like that. Yep. Right, where they they're actually mucking with the paper game to get these things to sync up. Yeah, I'm with Richard. I'd be more concerned about them not trying to, you know, branch out and use their IP more in other genres rather than how it'll affect the day-to-day stuff in the card game. Time to bring back Chandelar. (laughs) (laughs) The greatest piece of Magic the Gathering digital software. Because we pretty much have Chandelar, this, and Puzzle Quest. Those are the the three (laughs) non-magic magic things. Okay, uh, Fishmail, just trying to keep on time here, so Let's try to run through these pretty quickly. All right. So if you have your questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish on Twitter with the hashtag MTG Fishmail. First question from uh, Ermet. Any thoughts on Watsi not awarding premier status to the legacy event for the MKM series in Prague? Do you even know what this is referring to? Uh, I heard about this slightly on Twitter, but I don't know enough about wizards organized play especially in europe to yeah. to have an opinion really unfortunately i'd have to research it yeah we don't we don't know anything but i mean if i'm, I'm all for more premier status events if they meet the qualifications and if there's yes. something special happening in europe because i know wizards always gets this flack for modeling everything after america and those same situations may not occur in other places so i think wizards should actually make sure their rules are localized to the specific places to make sure they can be met uh next question from nola pk could wizards print new powerful cards that are modern playable but pre-banned in standard instead of masterpieces Uh, i mean could sure i mean if they wanted to i think it would be a bad (laughs) idea i think we'd be i think standard players and new players don't want to open cards that aren't legal in the format they play when they crack a pack or a fat pack or whatever it would be better to have a, a supplemental product that skipped over standard and was designed to go directly into modern and make the cards legal i think absolutely i think it just makes things way too confusing and there's there's definitely a better way to do that all right, Xeno fans, two, turn one, Ultimnissa, turn two, Ramp, turn three, Torch of Defiance, turn four, Bolas. Thoughts? Love it. Uh, if Marvel wasn't around, you'd certainly be trying to continue to do that. Oh, you, you can beat it. This is a turn four, Bolas. If you're on the play, you get down before Marvel. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, that... Re- that requires a lot to go right, though. Like, can imagine that hand where you draw your green mana, but not your oath of Nissa, and then you never cast anything and just die. Yeah, but I think this requires a lot, but it's not magical Christmas land. I, I think it's not. You could just oath of Nissa, miss your ramp, do something, then torture defiance, then bolus, or you know, it, it, this all hinges on oath of Nissa. But you can just play a weirder mana base to support more colors. So I think someone will try this. I think this will be a thing. I'll probably try it. I just don't don't, don't have high hopes that I'm going to break standard with it. <laughs> you just got to spike a small Japanese tournament, Seth. Come on. <laughs> I, I'm moving to Japan. That's on my on my list. Nice. Uh, Despair Faction. Prices seem flat. Are we near the bottom price for Kaladesh Inventions? Should I buy now? Um, if you need them, now would be a great time to buy them. Uh, I know with this announcement that they're pulling back inventions, uh, certainly has sparked a conversation to start buying them. But again, you just have to take into account the audience. Like they're not all going to start drastically increasing. And I'd still be more interested in what this does to the normal set rares and the normal set mythics rather than, um, trying to see what happens and what's the ceiling on these inventions and, or, or any of the Masterpiece series. But if you need the Kaladesh inventions, um, and, and they are pretty low at this point, I, I would certainly buy them now rather than later. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much Kaladesh being opened at this point. It's probably about done for the most part, so I I don't think you got much more supply to contend with, so I think it's a fine time to pick them up. And if anything, the the end of Masterpieces, so to speak, or the reduction, means it's less likely they somehow get reprinted, which, I I mean, Mm -hmm. probably wasn't a major concern, but was an outside possibility that eventually they just started recycling through them, and that seems less likely now. All right, next question from Andrew Cowell. Does MTG Goldfish give Seth tickets to burn through with all the janky brews? <laughs> hey now. <laughs> Are you, Are you saying telling me it doesn't go infinite? I lose a lot. <laughs> uh, yes, Seth is subsidized <laughs> until he can go infinite. Like, Thank God. I, if I wasn't, I would probably be oh. living on the street somewhere <laughs> with the amount of losing I do. Making all right, against next the episode against so the odds, go infinite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next question. From Band in Draft, Chaz, maybe Dark Intimations is actually meant to synergize with the Planeswalker deck bolus. I really hope so. Uh, I know we talked about uh, story uh, story cards. I, I'm sure they forgot about Dark Intimations because... That was like it seems like that was the story, the only story card they didn't push. So maybe it's the new, maybe it's the new group. They were like, "This card's too strong. Just make it do nothing." They're like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, come on. I, I just don't even get me started, man. I just next question from Dude of Shirts. Do you think the paper format is what ultimately stunts MTG growth? Would it be better if all digital gaming? I don't um, think so. Yeah. What it's very interesting from a magic player's perspective, you might think that, but if you read over like the Hearthstone subreddit or talk to those type of people, a lot of them have the exact opposite feeling that what stunts Hearthstone's growth is not being able to go to an FNM and play with real people in person very easily. So I, I don't think it's just as simple as that's a bad thing to be a paper game. Because I know some of the other games that are all digital wish they actually had a paper component. Yeah, I would say Magic Online stunts <laughs> stunts the MTG <laughs> digital growth. You can have paper and digital at the same time, but the digital offering is a bit weak today. Uh, next question from PP Crotty. On topic with last week's guns in cards question, what do you think of the art on Void from Invasion? What does the card look like? Yeah, actually, so a few of these were actually tweeted at us, and apparently there were a lot more mech slash gun uh, references in Magic than I originally thought. So yeah, Void basically work, has yeah. a mech. <laughs> like... Yeah, it's like a mech with lasers. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, it can work. I think where we kind of landed was uh, we don't really want actual real life, I guess, guns if it works in a more fantasy setting like a energy blaster or uh i don't know like a blunderbuss for pirates or something like that like that works i just don't really want like samut to be picking up like a ak you know ak-47 or something like that like that just seems out of place hey if call of duty can go into space fantasy <laughs> then we can go into world war ii okay oh my goodness <laughs> uh next question Thoughts uh, from Shade of Hades. Thoughts on crime slash punishment as a budget alternative to Maelstrom Pulse slash engineered explosives. What does crime punishment do? Uh, uh, so okay, crime... so split card. Oh, okay, go ahead. See if you can guess it, it. It's a split card. I know. Oh, okay. One of them is like a. Oh man, I can't remember now. I know one. Right, so one side is black green. One side's black white. The black-white side is crime, five total mana, three black-white, and you get to reanimate an enchantment or creature from your opponent's graveyard. Okay. And then punishment is X, black, green, destroy each artifact, creature, and enchantment with converted mana cost X or less. It's kind of like pernicious deeds, but you have to cast it instead of sitting on the It's with converted mana cost X, so not X or less. Oh, 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 It's like um, Ratchet Bomb or something, or I guess Engineered Explosives, which is the card we're trying to replace. Yeah. Uh, maybe? It's just so expensive? Yeah. yeah, it's I mean, it's really obviously bad. budget, it's close to but it's not explosives. terrible. If you want to replace Maelstrom Pulse, I think you can... There are different cards for Maelstrom Pulse. You could do... Uh, what's what's the new Vindicate? Anguished Unmaking yes. is a possibility. Ratchet Bomb is a possibility. But I think yeah. Punishment does a solid job of uh, doing engineered mm-hmm. explosives. 
What about um? What was that card? I think it was in Gate uh, Dragon's Maze. It was like Gaze of uh, Gaze of Granite or something like that. Oh, that's it was like yeah. a wrath. More that thing, I think right? it's like three mana and X, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, one uh, extra black yeah. mana. But yeah, punishment actually is not bad. Blast. Richard's right. Yeah, punishment's not bad. And punishment misses planeswalkers. Oh, gaze of granite hits everything converted mana cost X or less. Mm. So gaze of granite's not bad, but it's really expensive. But if you're yeah. just hitting lingering souls tokens, like why not? It's just three mana wrath. <laughs> oh, that's true. Huh. That's not bad. Uh, next question. Proggy Boog, what is the most expensive reprint Watsi has ever put in a pre-con? At the time the pre-con At the time was the pre- Oh, I know. Oh, so it would have been Ancestral Vision. Wait, no, they didn't do that. Oh, you mean back when Wait, it was, the Duel it Deck came out? It was expensive when the Duel yeah. Deck came out? Yeah, I think it was like 10 bucks, wasn't it? No, 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 no. I think th- he added, they, they added that caveat uh, so it wasn't just Ancestral Visions. I think it has to be Dark Depths. Dark Depths was Dark Depths, Dark Depths was like forty bucks, wasn't it? Well, from the vault doesn't count though. They had decent oh. from the vault. Well, what's a pre? What like are we, a, like what are we considering? A I think like Commander deck oh. or like a wait the starter deck or, decks, like your Commander Commander series. I think there was some like ten dollar ish cards and co- Worm Coil Engine was like ten fifteen bucks, and it was in a Commander deck. I think like that's about as high as I can remember it going. What about oh, so we're not doing like from the vault stuff? Oh, I okay. think from the vault would be its own thing, yeah. Yeah. And not All included. Right. <sighs> All right. Next question. Yeah. From X thirty five some any tips on making a budget cube? In particular, what cycles of dual lands or utility lands do I include? Has anyone Ooh. ever built a cube here? I have uh, not I've, made a cube, so I'm I've, sorry. Started for building cubes, but never actually finished. Um, budget cube. I've never built Look or at our... played a cube. <laughs> what about the like for for dual lands anyway? Like the buddy lands. Those are those are pretty cheap. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so tons many dual lands, depending though. on like, how, how do you choose yeah. the one. And I think like Cube Tutor or something, you can go see other people's cubes and see what they do. <laughs> but I have no idea. Yeah, I'm not totally versed in that. I think All it's, right, it's uh, basically last question. Yeah, go ahead. Rob Condon, given the 1v1 focus on Moto, do you anticipate the 2017 Commander decks being geared towards 1v1 or multiplayer? Ooh. Multi. Definitely Mul- multi. Yeah. I don't think Wizards going to mess with that. Yeah. Definitely multi, but that doesn't mean that w- there will be there won't be a strong one for 1 versus 1 because that's usually how it happens actually. Yeah, I don't think they care given that you can't yeah. play Derevi online from Commander Anthologies. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. I, I think th- these are clearly two distinct parts of Watsi operating, but they don't. There, there's nothing here. I think. I think the physical products will continue to be geared towards multiplayer. All right. All right. That's all of our fish mill for this week. Thank you for everyone who sent in their questions. Awesome questions. Uh, that was great, gentlemen. I think we covered everything. So we're going to have a ton more to talk about next week because we're getting a whole week of announcements. And, uh, yeah, (laughs) this is going to be the MTG Goldfish crew signing out. We will see you all next week. Hope everyone enjoys the announcement week. 